everybody. Welcome to the Unapologetic Podcast. I'm Lena. I'm going to be talking with Pastor Billy, and we are explaining the reason for our hope. All right. Awesome. We are back for, what's this, our fifth session now of the Unapologetic Podcast, and this session is a little different than what we've been doing because we're actually in my living room. Uh, it's been a crazy week and we have had a lot of different recommendations from the CDC and so uh, we're not meeting in our church right now because we want to make sure we're good neighbors and keep everybody safe and healthy and so I think overall, and Billy's here with me again, we're just really thankful that we have the opportunity and the technology and the ability to get together to keep recording these things. Absolutely. And it's, it's great to be here with you, Lena, and, and looking forward to it, you know? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get right into it. Same as usual. Um, the one difference is that we are going to start releasing these a little bit faster than we have been, just because we know that as much as I'm at home bored with nothing to do, probably everybody who's going to be listening to this is feeling point. the same way. That's so a good point. We're going to put these out a little bit faster than we have been uh, just so that we can use it as a tool to kind of keep learning together. So mm-hmm. we'll just kick it off. We've talked a lot so far about um, kind of purpose and the things that Mm -hmm. Jesus has called us to as the church and individually and how we're sharing our faith and working towards building a confidence up in doing that. Right. And so we're going to jump into actually asking some hard questions and and you're going to start answering them for us, right? That's right. Awesome. So first question, we're going to dive in. This is a challenging one that I hear all the time and anybody who is sharing faith probably hears. Can we actually trust the Bible? You know, that's a question I hear a lot too, because honestly, the Bible is an ancient book that has been handed down in a lot of different languages and and translations. And everybody says, well, we can't trust it anymore, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. so old, there's so many translations. And honestly, there's been a whole movement over the past two to 300 years of of what is called demythologization, which means that they're trying to take the miracles out of the Bible and you're trying to reduce it. And and there's all these viewpoints on the Bible. and, And then we all of a sudden learn more and more about world religions. And then it's like, well, um, is that just one of many? And, and all of a sudden the Bible comes under a lot of scrutiny and it comes under a lot of question. And that's on one hand, there's a, uh, and in this whole postmodern society, remember we talked about that last podcast, yeah. um, kind of lends itself to disbelieve truth and not accept the fact that there is truth. On the other hand, You've got tons of people that base their whole lives on the Bible, that believe the Bible is inerrant and in, in, in right. all it says and does, and we can build a whole worldview and build our life on it. So you have this discrepancy between people who say, it's, what do we do with it and how do we address it? And I believe in it, but why? You know? Yeah, and that's an important thing to figure out. If you're going to stand your whole entire life on this word as truth, you want to have an answer for you why you're have, doing that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, th- we have to first understand that the Bible claims itself to be God's word. 
And that's why we're starting here in the first place, because, you know, if the book itself says this is God's word, and it does, the Old Testament says about the Old Testament, Moses, no fewer than 420 times said, had, had God had said to him, write these words down, or these are my words. You know what I mean? And, and, and in, even in the prophets, as a matter of fact, um, in the book of Isaiah, over 80 times alone, there's the phrase, thus saith the Lord. That's the old way of saying it, right? right that's the old right. King James way that's of saying coo- it. That's the cool way. That's the, the cool way of saying cool it, right? Way. Thus saith the Lord. But our versions say, this is what the Lord says. 80 times just in the book of Isaiah. So the Old Testament is saying that what words are written in the Old Testament are God's words. The New Testament also talks about the Old Testament being God's word, believe it or not. As a matter of fact, um, in the book of Matthew, Jesus actually said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. That's Matthew 5, 17 and 18. And what it means by least stroke of a pen is that if you look at a Hebrew letter, it has all these little tiny marks and little feet and little hands almost. Not even one of those is going to be abolished. Jesus saying everything that is in the law, he is going to fulfill, you know? And I've looked at those letters before, dude, they're almost even more intricate than like hieroglyphs or oh, like, it's, it's, it's wild. So to think that that lasted the way it That's did is, is wild. exactly right. And then, you know, Peter actually in his second letter said that above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. So it's just saying, God filled these people. They wrote what God wanted them to write, saying that is God's word. Yeah. You know, and then the New Testament about the New Testament is a little bit more tricky because sometimes the writers may not have even realized that they were writing scripture, though the Holy Spirit was carrying them along and inspiring them to write it, you know? But Paul caught a glimpse of that one day. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 37, it says, if anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. So even Paul was like, uh, something different about this. Right. You know what I mean? So we have to understand that the Bible claims to be God's word. Right. So how do we get from way back? I'm talking about thousands of years ago. Yeah. You know, almost 4,000 years ago when Moses was right. And then all the way to now. And you're like, um, how do we know that what we have is accurate? Right. There's a couple of reasons why we can do that. Um, there was a group of people called the Sophrim. They, they lived between 300 BC and AD 500, and they were scribes. And here's what they did. They developed a system of checks and balances. And it was, it was really awesome because they did that just to eliminate human error. That's how they revered the word of God, let's just say. So what they would do is they would do a couple different things. They would count to the middle word in each page, and they would count how many words were to the left, how many words were to the right to get to the middle letter, every line of every page of that book, just to make sure that everything was going to be accurate. They also counted the numbers of, uh, the numbers of letters in each line to make sure that the copy was exactly like what they were copying. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of letters and a lot of counting. And sometimes I feel like I can't count much higher than like 100 
Well, so on a good day. On a good so, day with coffee. Okay, right. then you can count to 100, right? Yeah. But, but, but then what they would do is they would look at this wor- word of God, okay, and if they saw that one of their copies had a smudge on a letter, or if they saw that a page was torn or a part of a page missing, they wouldn't try and fix it. They would take that whole Bible, all that work, take it outside of town and bury it. Because they did not want anybody to misread the word of God. Wow. That's what they did, right? And so it actually worked. In 1947, there was a Bedouin sheep herder who was walking around and throwing rocks in a cave because he was bored out of his mind. What do you do when you walk sheep around? When you're a you know, sheep herder. You know what I'm saying? So yep. he was so bored. And um, he heard some clay breaking. And so when he walked up there, he saw all these jars that stood about three to four feet high and they had scrolls in them and these were known as the dead sea scrolls okay Okay? i've heard about that yeah and so what they found in the dead sea scrolls was like entire copies of the book of isaiah from like 150 bc unheard of right and they are pretty much exactly what we have today that's unreal so you knew that they it worked it worked how they handed down a scripture it was you know what i mean yeah the New Testament is just as amazing, but it happened in a whole different way. You had these old papers that they would call papyrus, and it was very rare, very expensive. And they had to that's write... A, that's an old font, right? Have you seen that font? No, actually, I'll have to check that <laughs> it's out. A, it's a I running joke. It it's a, pretty old. Yeah, papyrus yeah. font. All right. Yeah, it's cool. about as old as these manuscripts, probably. Well, maybe. <laughs> but it was, it was an amazing thing that they would write on these papyrus, okay? Mm-hmm. But because it was so rare and so expensive, they would then write on top of what they wrote, and then they would write on top of what they wrote, and all of a sudden, you had a hard time discerning what was going on, you know? I bet. But... Even so, even though that was the case, we have 5,300 copies of the New Testament dating from like 350 AD. Pretty amazing. I could go into all this detail about the fragments that they they found. One of them was found that dated back to 130 AD, which was only about 50 years after John died, you know, and he wrote it. So it's like, wow, the historicity is really pretty amazing. But what I think is even most amazing is that the entire New Testament, we have 8,000 Latin versions and 9,300 other versions dating back from the 4th century. That's a lot of manuscript evidence. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, one of the things that, that you have to realize is that if you took the writings of all the church fathers, okay, put them on the table and quoted all the church fathers the times they quoted scripture, even from the 2nd century, Mm-hmm. You can compile the entire New Testament, almost the entire New Testament, just on quoting the church father's writing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So when compared to all the other writings in history, the New Testament has no comparison. Well, the number of the sheer numbers that you're saying are are just insane. And then to think about how much scripture affirms itself is it's cool. Right. But like, of course, Scripture is going to say, I am scripture. So, and it's got to back it up. Yeah. Right. I know you've got more. So, yeah, man. What Um, else do we have? One of the things that people have to realize, they always, they get a little scared when somebody says, well, archaeology discovered, well, you'll never, ever find an archaeological discovery that has disproved the Bible ever. Every time a new archaeological discovery comes out, it's always proving the Bible. You can okay. check it out. I mean, I mean, a couple of things that, that happened back in 1990, 
there was an ossuary found. An ossuary is a box that contains the bones of somebody who died. So when you put them in a tomb and they decompose and somebody else wants to borrow that tomb, so okay. you take the bones out and you put them in this box. And everybody, uh, a lot of the skeptics didn't believe, okay, that, that the high priest Caiaphas, was, who's written all over in the New, New Testament, right. was actually somebody who existed. There, there was a lot of doubt because no archaeological evidence, and he was such a supreme importance at that time period. Well, they found that box in 1990, and it had his name on it. And they're like, wow. oh, dang, right? Yeah, And the same wild. thing happened. Some people you know, disbelieved that Pilate actually existed because there was not a lot found with his name on it. But he was a governor. He was, a, you know, the procurator of, of, of right. Judea. Right, there should right? have been some history there. And it, they did. In 1961, they found this, this whole stone. They call it the Pilate Stone because the names Tiberius and Pontius Pilate were written on it, and it even said the prefect of Judea. So they were like, oh, dang. Right? That, yeah, that kind of that, that kind of ties that, that up nicely. That happens all the time. Uh, I'm just telling you that that's that, really that, that cool. you will never find uh, archaeology to disprove the Bible. That's just a scientific evidence that weighs heavily on the side of we can trust the scriptures. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing that that I think is interesting is the prophecies that are in the Bible from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New Testament. There are hundreds. And I can't go into the, the, the history and the details of so many of them. Right. But let me just read a few that were from Jesus. Okay. All of this was predicted in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New. And you can read about it anytime. And it is legitimate pro prophecy that has been fulfilled. It says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He would be preceded by a messenger, John the Baptist. Okay. The Messiah would come to Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah's betrayer would try to return to 30 pieces of silver and then be refused, and he would throw them on the floor of the temple. It, it says That's that in so the Old specific. Testament to that detail and was fulfilled exactly in the New Testament. The Messiah's garments would be divided among the soldiers. Um, the Messiah would be despised, obviously. Messiah would not speak in his own defense, and Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Everything I just said, I know I said it fast, was predicted in detail in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the person of Jesus in the New Testament. And some of these prophecies were written 700 years before, some 500 years before. But that, to me, is amazing. It is. Well, and I know uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about what the numbers look like that for that. And it's something like 10 to the 157th power that, uh, that's the likelihood. That's exactly that right. Happening. Think about that. 10 to like the 10th power is like how many zeros no, is that? Like, like, you know what I mean? But 10 much. to the 157th power is the chance of, of those prophecies being fulfilled in history in the way they were fulfilled. It actually is so unlikely but from what my understanding is that science actually says that's a statistical impossibility. That's right. Like there's a point where they're like, it's just not going to happen. So you know what's interesting about that? It takes more faith not to believe those prophecies than it does to believe those prophecies. If you're going to believe that scripture is true... And then you look at all of these things, it really, it does, yeah, you're right. It takes more faith to say, nah, I don't know about yeah, that one. Yeah, so that, that's really interesting. But I'm going to tell you something, Lena. The most, well, one of the most compelling evidences for me is the unity of the Bible. Okay. You have 39 books in the Old Testament and you have 27 books in the New Testament, okay? Yep. These books 
All of them were written by various authors ranging in profession and social status from kings, fishermen, priests, prophets, a tax collector, a physician, a Pharisee, and many others. Written by all these different people, okay, in the length of time between when the first book was written, Genesis, and the last book was written, Revelation, was 1,800 years. So now you have all these different kind of authors in a span of 1,800 years, okay, yep. and these books were written in different genres. They were written in poetry, history, parables, stories, letters, Okay. Yep. And these separate books of the Bible were written on three different continents, written in three different languages. Man. Now you, you put all that together, and yet these 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 of the New Testament, these 66 books of the Bible still talk about the exact same thing. That's it's true. Insane. And the very same thing is Jesus the Messiah, how he fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament. How yeah. he's the one that we can base our life on. And we now have the deeper questions of life. Faith, hope, and love. We talked about that last last podcast. Right. The Bible speaks to us in that way. It's all unified. To me, that's amazing. It is amazing. It I mean it's impossible, really, but except that it's not, and we That's have right. it, and we're, we get to look at it and read from this book. It's incredible that we have this gift, I think. And that's why we can look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, the Bible tells us about God. We can know about God. We can know about ourselves, you know. But the most important thing the Bible points to in all of what we talked about is the person of Jesus Christ. And it's all pointing to that. And I think that the Bible is the most amazing book ever written. I would agree with that statement. I hope everybody would agree with that statement, uh, especially after hearing everything that you've just told us in just about 15 minutes of time uh so i know that there's so much more that we could have gone into but hey i feel a lot more confident about my ability to answer that question if somebody were to ask me so thanks for sharing oh, all you're that welcome. with us thanks for having me to share that and uh this just gets me more excited about what you're gonna have to share with us as answers to the next questions that we're going to talk about. So yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being here. All and right. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks. All right. Lena.